week's edition of Sunday Morning Live from Fresh Fire Church. Today's message from Pastor Adam will encourage and strengthen your walk with Christ. If you would like to be a partner with Fresh Fire Church for $15 a month or more, become our patron on Podbean or visit freshfirechurch.net. And now, let's join the service. Yes, I see people online uh, comment messaging, so we're covering you in prayer. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I think I saw somewhere it's Glory and her husband's anniversary. It's a happy anniversary. And, and then I see her online saying, vote, vote, vote. So she's another one encouraging people. And so to everybody else, mom's on there watching. And I'm sure Cynthia and Clifford's watching. And so uh, we just appreciate everybody that's uh, there and participating online. Our family. Our family's been growing recently. Have you noticed? I mean, today you don't notice, but on the average Sunday, we notice it's been growing. And so good last week to see so many visitors. My Lord, it was great. And so keep uh, all of that in prayer. Glory to God. Are you ready? So this is going to be part two of sort of where we were last week. Let me tell you, I'll say it again. If you missed last week, go either go on the website and listen to the podcast or on Facebook and watch the video. It will bless you. It will bless you and it will help you. And it's really the building block of where we're going to go today. It will really help you. We're weedier because of last week. If you were here, you know what I'm talking about. We are weedier because of last week. Hallelujah. And, 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 and if I was wheat when I was planted, I'm still wheat. Right? That the enemy cannot take our weediness. Some of you are like, huh? It's the text we're going to look at today. We're actually going to look at a section of the same chapter, just a few verses different. But I, 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 it will bless you, so check it out, and, uh, and I know that you'll be blessed. But nonetheless, even if you missed it, what I'll share with you today, you'll get and you'll have understanding. Hallelujah. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 13. We'll be in Matthew 13 next week, too. We were there last week. <coughs> Last week, though, we looked at Matthew 13, verse 36 through 43. Today, we're going to back up to part of the text that I did preach last week, but we just didn't read it. And today, we're going to be in Matthew 13, 24 through 30. Now, if you remember last week, I said that there's a part of this text. I've preached this text many times in many different ways. And there's a part of this text that is about end times. I touched on it briefly last week. We'll probably get into a little bit of it maybe next week. But there is a part of it that deals with the end time message. And if anybody knows what's happening in the world, hallelujah, then it, these are times we need to be paying attention as the church. And so Matthew chapter 13, though, where we're going to focus, that, that is not going to be my focus today. It's not going to be necessarily an end times message, but I am titling today's message uh, I am going to title it, uh, last week we, 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 we called it A War Between Two Worlds, mm, the wheat and the tare, and so it was a war between two worlds, but today and for next week, I want to title this, Timing is Everything. Anybody else ever get frustrated with time, never enough of it, or, or like when we turned our clocks back, I was like, where did summer go, right, or... I didn't go on vacation. I didn't feel like I got enough accomplished, right? Now, now it's time to winterize and weatherize and be ready to freeze the, our, our, our bunions off. Hallelujah. 
timing is everything. Time is often, often frustrates us, even when it comes to sports, right? Uh, I've used the analogy before, the uh, people who don't watch football, or if you do, you understand what makes football so exciting is the clock. It really does, especially when you get to the two-minute warning. You have to be a savvy. Uh Uh-huh, sister knows what I'm talking about. You have to be a savvy player. you got to be paying attention because it will trickle down quick. And so timing is everything when it comes to sports, when it comes to planting, amen, when it comes to our, our mums, amen. We didn't water the mums in time that are up front, and, and they start drooping down on you, right? Uh, timing is everything, right? If you're cooking, mm, timing is everything. Yeah, I don't know about you. I was cooking this week, and I, and I got distracted, and I burnt what was in the pot, and ain't nothing worse and more frustrating than when you, you're hungry and you get to near the bottom and you're like, but timing is everything when it comes to cooking, especially if you're going to try to be a good cook. Now, for those of you microwavable folks, timing isn't as important. It's just as gross, you know, uh, a minute and 30 if you put it in for two. Amen. <laughs> but timing is still important when it comes to a microwavable meal. Timing is important. The Lord began to use this text to me for me today to teach you and build on what we shared last week that we are weedier. I hope you all can understand me because I'm still a little hoarse. But timing is everything. Ooh, Jesus. I'm, by the time we get through with this word next week, I believe you're going to be encouraged and understand why things are happening in your life the way that are happening. Last week, we dealt with the fact that I, I, we answered sort of the question, why bad things happen to good people? And if you was paying attention, we gave you the answer. Why bad things happen to good people? I don't have time to re-preach it, so if you missed it, you have to catch it. All right. But we're going to build on that today to answer some of the questions of when we ask God why. Why is it so hard? Why does it have to be this? Why do these people got to drive me nuts? Why does the world look like the way that it does? Do you, have you ever felt like sometimes everything we do, it just works harder and harder and everything's working against the next thing? Amen. And we're, we're stuck trying to figure it out. Well, that's what this text really does. It's going to help you and I to understand. So Matthew chapter 13, verse 24. Oh, Lord, help me today. Glory to God. Whoo, Jesus. Verse 24, it says, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. What kind of seed? Good seed. Mm. But while everyone was sleeping, while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. See, this is what we dealt with last week. Verse 26, when the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. Notice something, that they didn't notice the weeds until they sprouted. Oh, we're going to go somewhere today. Verse 27, the owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? 
Where then did the weeds come from? And the master answered and said, an enemy did this. He replied. The servants asked, do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered. Because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I hope you're as ready as I am. Over the last number of weeks, while I was preparing for today and praying for the church and praying for all that we've got ourselves involved in, and at times having to pray because I've been under attack either by people in the community or political heads and figures or whatever. I mean, you just don't know. I, I've alluded to it. And I haven't said anything publicly, and I'm not gonna, but um, Jesus help us. And so it's been, it's been challenging. When you try to do something good, every demon will rise up. And so uh, we, 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 it's been a struggle. And so there, but nonetheless, over the last number of weeks, every time I would pray, whether it's for the church, church people, the community, our nation, I kept seeing roots. Roots, just roots under the ground and intertwined roots uh, uh, from trees to grass to vines and all these things. I just kept seeing roots. And now God is beginning to help me to understand why we've been seeing all that we've been seeing. And he's going to use it through this text. I've had the ability, a, a, a privilege really this year of celebrating 25 years preaching the gospel. And I didn't know what I know now then. I surely did not. I, we, we have, back when I started preaching, I still have cassette tapes. How can many, that's how old and long it's been. Cassette tapes of my first messages, and they were terrible. They were awful, awful sermons. And I look back and I think, God, I would never think of preaching something like that or it being that shallow, that, 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 that lifeless, no, not much fruit now, right? It's almost laughable, some of the things that I preached. And, and people thought it was good. Heck, I thought it was good, right? And, and, and yet, but I've had the ability to be in ministry and preaching this long, but I know some things now that I did not know then. And one of the things that I didn't know then that I know now is that the best things in life take time. One of the things that, that we come to learn the older we get, and I'm not as old as some, but I have learned this through my time of growing and getting older, is that the best things in life take time. We learn to be more patient. Especially when you work with old people, you have to learn to be patient. When you work alongside Lois, you have to have patience. Hallelujah. I can get something done like this. Right? I, I may want some done. I, I, I'm one of those that I, sometimes, Renita, I get myself in trouble because instead of letting someone do it and being patient with them, I'll just reach in, put my hand, and be like, here, let me, let me just do it for you. Cindy and I were just talking about that this morning. Sometimes it's easier instead of being a teacher, I'll just do it. But God has taught me over years, I've gotten better, that the best things in life take time. You can have it quick or you can have it right. I used to tell my churches, I've pastored that all the time. You can have it quick or you can have it right. I'd rather have it right than quick. 
I'd rather take a long time you fixing my car and get it right than I would you try to do it quick and then I still got the thumping. Right? I'd rather someone clean the church and take their time than to rush it and it look like it never was. Hallelujah. Same thing when they wash my car or mow my grass or whatever it may be. Hallelujah. The best things in life take time. Now, when I was, when I was young, I was sort of naive in thinking that dreams would come quickly. How many of you have ever had a dream and you were naive and thought it would just happen? I'm going to get married. I'm going to do this. That Your life was going to look a certain way and that it was going to happen quick, right? But I had to learn that the best things in life take time. Even good food takes time. We alluded and talked about that sort of a little bit a few weeks ago. That it takes time when you make ribs and you want them really good, slow cook them. Smoke them for a long time. Right? Some foods in the crock pot are just better than doing them on the stovetop. Right? Because the best things in life take time. People who don't have much time don't usually cook well. That's just true. Right? If you got to work and rush home and cook something real quick, it's hard to be a good cook when you don't have time. Hallelujah. Just like we can have a marriage done in 30 minutes, but it, it, we can have a wedding done in 30 minutes, but it takes 30 years to have a good marriage because the best things in life take time. Amen. Hallelujah. Just stay with me. I'm going to take you somewhere. Hallelujah. Just like many people see successful people, and we think often have that we're often naive in thinking that some people, although it looks like they became successful overnight, they didn't become successful overnight. Whether it's, depending on everyone's definition of success looks different because wealth just doesn't mean success. A lot of people interpret wealth as success. Oh, no, some people just got lucky. Some people just, somebody gave them that money. They, they weren't successful. There's a difference. And so I'm not, I'm not wanting you to focus on the definition of necessarily success. But what I do want you to understand is that success itself can take time. What I understand about people who end up being successful, what I understand even about the ways in which we've been successful as a church is, is success is defined. But it, 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 success happens because it's about the lessons you and I learn while struggling upward. See, you end up being successful by how you learn to handle the struggle of struggling upward. That's the difference. See, when when trouble hits you in the face, how you handle it determines whether you'll be successful or not. I've learned to be one of those that never respond quickly to chaos, to trouble, especially to a problem that is not mine. And if it's mine, I'll wait even longer. Sometimes it might seem like the the demand is imminent, it's urgent, but I've learned never to do that, never react quickly, be slow to speak. It's taken me a while, but I I think I've finally gotten a hold of it, hallelujah, because I've learned that there's value in learning to struggle upward. Measure your response, measure what you say, measure what you do, right? A few weeks ago when somebody was rising up against us and I wasn't in the office and I had to tell the staff, just say nothing, respond and do nothing. Let them look like a moron. Let them make, make, embarrass themselves, whatever it is, right? Just do nothing. Give no comment to the press. Give no comment to anybody who comes knocking on the door. Just say nothing, right? Because I, I want us to be careful how we struggle upward. 
God needs to be able to see that you and I can manage stress because you can never grow if you can't manage stress. Let me put it this way. Oftentimes we pray for God to give us more, but you're freaking out over what's happening now. And so God's saying, hey, if you can't manage this what's happening, how can I trust you with more? Does that make sense to you? So that's why you and I have to learn to struggle upward. Be careful, slow to speak, slow to respond. That's not the focus today, but I'm, I'm building a foundation for you. Hallelujah. There are things we learn from struggling. There's things that we learn from going through tests and trials. Because some of the best teachers we have in life will be failure. Because it takes time to do well. It takes even longer to be well. It, taught, it, it took me many years to be able to have this kind of wisdom. Uh, my mom was here. She'd be like, amen. I, I used to be one of those that I would respond quick. Used to be. I used to be one of those, let, 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 whether it's a church problem, a family problem, a problem in the marriage, I would fire you up. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? I mean, I would let, light you up. I mean, quick. It may, and it may not even be godly and sound good, but I would fire you up. My tongue would get in trouble. My, 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 in school, it would get me in trouble. I, I'd, I'd yell back at the teacher. I, I'd, I'd talk back. Are you hearing what I'm trying to tell you? And so I'd respond quickly. And what I had to learn as God was calling me is every time I would do that, every time I would lash out, I always made a mess of what was already a mess. The consequences were always more severe. And so God was trying to teach me, Adam, you have to learn how to fail upward. That yes, trauma is going to come, but don't make it worse on yourself. Hallelujah. And so it takes time to do well, and it takes even longer to be well. It takes you time to learn not to yell back at somebody or scream back or be, or be nonsensical. When those people rose against the church here a couple of weeks ago and tried to put their signs in our yard, and then they did Facebook live videos and talking about me and my name and t telling lies and stuff that, I mean, it wasn't even true, but whatever. They, they looked goofy. When they started doing all that stuff, it was so hard not to defend myself. My flesh wanted to get on there and do a Facebook Live myself and call them out about every lie. But Facebook's a cesspool anyway. I use it like 8% of the time because it's just nasty and ugly. The hardest lesson I had to learn was to do nothing. Don't defend yourself. Don't explain yourself. And remembering that, that this is a lesson God wants you, and, I, and believe it or not, it has everything to do with this text and where we're going. If you ever want to get to the place of your dreams and your visions, you've got to learn to be measured. Slow to speak, slow to respond. Hallelujah. That's why in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, one, verse 1 and 2, we know that text really well. And you'll know it as soon as I begin to say it. To everything there is a season. And a time to every purpose under heaven. <coughs> to everything there is a season. We usually read that scripture uh, uh, during a funeral. To everything there is a season. But it is important for you and I today because this text says to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose. In other words, you have purpose. But do you understand seasons and times? We get often frustrated the most 
because we want something, but it's not in the right season. That'd be like you trying to buy, buy, buy Christmas gifts out of season. It can be hard. Mm -hmm. it, it, it'd be like you trying to dress for summer in winter. I know some of y'all wise guys do it, you know. It's like 20 below and guys walking into the gym and they're shorts. I'm like, you crazy. I'm not man enough to do that. I, I, I can't do that, right? But we have to understand there, we, 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 know, we know that there, we have to know that first we have purpose, but do you understand season and time? That, that's where we're going to be going here in a moment. We often read that scripture to everything there is a season. We often read it without even thinking. We often read it without ever realizing that there are some people in your life that are seasonal. There are some relationships that are seasonal. There are some opportunities in life that are seasonal. Yet when we see seasons change, we think the blessing has ceased. Listen to me. It's not that the blessing has ceased. It's just that the season has changed. All right? All right, follow me because we're going to go somewhere. It's going to be good. See, there's a big difference how our yards look this time of year than how they look in the spring. When spring is happening, my hedges are blooming and my, 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 my flowers are coming up, right? And, and the trees are budding and all that. Boy, it looks pretty when the dogwood's booming. But now, Lord, I got dead leaves everywhere. Everything's turning brown. And in a month from now, it's going to look ugly. I'm just going to say it. It looks ugly. That's what this time of year looks like. Without some fresh snow on the ground, everything looks ugly, right? But if you come visit my yard in the spring, it looks completely different than it does this time of year. You couldn't imagine how pretty it could be, right? Same thing with some of your yards, right? Because there's a season change. Oh, God, help us. We're going to go somewhere today. The text says in Ecclesiastes 3, it goes on to say there's a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up and a time, uh, and a a time to pluck up that which was planted. The purpose of where, where I want you and I to start getting our focus of, uh, of where we're going to go today is do you know the difference in your life to when to plant and when to pluck up? Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. See, we pray a lot about, God, why is this happening? God, give me this. God, help me in this area. But have you ever prayed and asked God when to pluck something up? When to remove something from your life? Uh, see, oftentimes we'll say, oh, God, remove them. God, help me get through this. But there are some things we might have to pluck up. Or maybe some of us are just, or maybe some of us are just so intent that, that, that on keeping that which is planted to the destruction of plucking up that which have become, we've become so accustomed to. Sometimes we just tolerate what's there. I don't know about you, but there have been times I've been afraid to confront some things. Sometimes it's just easier to go along and get along to the detriment of your destiny because if you just go along to get along you allow the weeds to take over your weediness that goes that ties into last week see you and I cannot have a new season until you are willing to say goodbye to the season you had we just crossed over into the autumn season it was pretty at first right 
but we could not uh, we could not really see the beauty of the uh, I love this time of year when the trees turn colors and the pretty beautiful mums and the pumpkins I I love it while it lasts but then once it all shrivels up and dies and all the leaves are going it's not so lovely anymore right then I want to have winter and have snow on the ground I want it to be picturesque all winter long you know not the dirty black uh, uh, roads and all that stuff from the salt and uh, none of that, right? We, we want it, but you can't experience uh, the season of fall without ever changing seasons. Just like we'll never experience the springtime if we don't ever change seasons, all right, right? So you'll never experience a new season until you're willing to say goodbye to the season you had. We can't experience uh, fall if we don't say goodbye to winter. That's why we close up our pools. That's why we change our outfits, all of those things, because we're ready to embrace a brand new season. Uh Uh-huh. Hallelujah. Stay with me. Are you still with me? It's, It's really about the art of learning to let go. Or let me put it a spiritual way. It's the spirit of release. There are some things we have to learn to release and let go of. Not wrestling anymore, but releasing. Because there are some people that all they want to do is wrestle with you. You got to learn to release them. There are some things that come along in your life that all they want to do is wrestle with you. And you need to learn to release them. Because some of us are, are wrestling to hold on to something that God is trying to take away from you, and you need to release it and let it go. That was a season, and now you need to move on. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let me, let me put it another way. The Bible says it this way. When I was a child, I thought like a child. I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. But when I became a man, I had to let go of childish things and childish thinking. When I was a child, I thought like a child, and I spoke like a child. I understood as a child. But let me put it, this, let me put it another way. If you're still talking the way you were 10 years ago, I've got bad news for you. You're struggling with a deformity. And what do I mean by that? You're struggling with a spiritual dysfunction that keeps your thoughts in one dimension. Oh, hallelujah. I'm laying it on you today because I, I haven't even got to the text yet because I'm, I'm laying the foundation. That's why I said it's going to be two weeks. Hallelujah. So you won't be here all day. Are you hearing what I'm telling you today? If you are still talking the same way you did 10 years ago, still struggling with the same problems you had 10 years ago, he's saying we are one dimensional. He's saying you're still thinking like a child and speaking like a child and, 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 and having those childish thoughts. This means you can't fall in love. In other words, you and I can't just fall in love with our thoughts. All the stubborn people in here who've ever been stubborn like me should be saying amen. God doesn't want us to fall in love with our thoughts. He wants us to continue to grow. Because this is what's wrong with stubborn people. When, when, when you and I are stubborn and we know we're stubborn and we choose to stay stubborn, I know I'm not expecting you to admit it today. Hallelujah. I once was stubborn, but then I got set free. All right. But because you, because if you are stubborn with your thoughts, you delay your next season. That's what's wrong with stubborn people is that's why there's never any change with you. It's because you're stuck in the same season. 
bullheadedness. I know nobody in here is ever like that. There, there's nobody has a spouse that's with us today that's ever stubborn or bullheaded or hardheaded. That they won't ever relent. They, they, they dig in deep. Amen. I, I know none of us ever know that, but this is the problem with you. If you are one of those that are stubborn and you're not willing to relent and say, I was wrong when you're wrong and forgive and move on, is you are stuck in a season and God's not still, he's not still not in that season. We serve a God that moves from the beginning of, the, of Scripture where he introduces himself. It said the Spirit of God is hovering. That means God is always moving. And if God is moving and you are still stuck in a season, God's not there. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. That's why I said all the stubborn people need to say amen because I'm preaching to you today. God don't want us to be stuck in our thoughts in other words, God doesn't want you stuck thinking you are always right or superior. When I was a child, I thought like a child. I spoke like a child. That is evidence right there that often we are stuck because you're still thinking and moving and operating on a level you were at 10 years ago, five years ago, one year ago. But the Bible says that the God we serve moves from glory to glory. Oh, Hallelujah. Did somebody just say ouch? Uh-huh, uh-huh. I thought I heard an ouch. Glory to God. <laughs> I promise it'll get better. But we got to deal with some truths. We got to deal with some truths. I'm telling you, we got to deal with what God's speaking to us today. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. See, what I've learned is people who, people who leave the greatest impact in life understand timing because timing is everything. I said that as the title, and I'm probably going to say that a thousand times between this week and next week. Timing is everything. I gave the example earlier about cooking, but even more specific than cooking when it comes to baking, timing is everything. Now, I'm not a big baker. I've done it. I can bake rolls and maybe some cookies, but I'm not real good about it because I, 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 I'm one that struggles to have the time to bake. Because when it comes to baking, any bakers in here? Uh-huh, a couple. When it comes to baking, then, then, then you know that timing is everything. The difference between a dry cake and a moist cake is timing. Oh, see, you're with me, sister. Praise God. The difference between a good crust on a, on a good piece of pie is timing. Oh, hallelujah. The difference between a good roll, one thing I can make is some rolls, y'all. A good roll and a hard roll is timing. You and I have got to learn if we are ever, God was speaking to me about this about our church, that if we are ever going to continue to have the impact we are having, it comes down to timing. Oh, hallelujah. Timing, 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 timing. Lots of people can cook, but, 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 but baking takes time. It takes time. That's why it's the difference between the dry and the moist cake is time, Right? If you leave something in the, in the oven too long, it gets too dry. The same thing is true in some sports. When it comes to baseball, timing is everything. If you're playing baseball and you swing too soon, you'll miss the, bat, you'll miss the ball. 
If you swing too late, hallelujah, are you hearing me? Timing is everything. Sometimes what we do in this life is we end up swinging at the wrong time and, and then we don't have the impact we anticipated. Oh, hallelujah. Sometimes certain athletes, sometimes I watch this, but even when the, how many have watched the Steelers and we get frustrated when we do? Thursday night, I thought I was going to have a literal heart attack on my couch. Uh, uh, and they always wait to the last few minutes of the game and it drives me insane. I think they're the only team in the NFL that does that. And so it unnerves me, you know? And so, uh, uh, and so, <laughs> excuse me. And so uh, uh, as I'm sitting there watching them, I'm, I'm realizing something that, that when I saw one of the players like really try to get the noise of the crowd going, and it was like instantly I thought you are more moved by the crowd than you are the ball. Mm-hmm. See, sometimes even when it comes to our lives and what we do in church, we get more moved by the crowd than we do the cross. Ooh, ouch. I said sometimes we get more moved by the crowd than we do the cross. We get often distracted by who's making more noise and what's happening and trying to get hype going as if the cross itself is not enough. And, and yet we have to understand whether it's worship or whether preaching the gospel or whether it's baking or whether it's playing sports, that all of the things that I mentioned, and there could be many other examples, timing is everything. Timing is everything when it comes to if you're going to be a comedian. You have to be able to learn how to land a joke and time it right. That's why some people aren't funny. What they say is funny. I'm one of those that I like comedy, and I'll watch from time to time certain ones because some of them are just filthy. But, 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 but whether, no matter what, Christian comedians, whoever it is, or if you're just trying to tell a joke, if you don't get your timing right, you ain't funny. The same thing's true with people who want to preach. Lots of people can speak, but one of the things you have to learn about preaching especially, and motivational speaking is timing. The, the different, you, I could preach the same message and have someone else preach the same one. One could be good, one could be not so good because of timing. Learning to pause. The same thing's true with worship. When we're playing worship, lots of people can play an instrument. Very few people can actually keep time. And anyone who's ever played an instrument knows it gets frustrating when you're trying to play with people who don't know how to keep time. They're trying to keep beating. It's off beating. It's just a stop. Because you're messing me up. Timing is everything. Oh, hallelujah. I promise we're going somewhere. Hallelujah. Everything in this life has a rhythm. My, my heartbeat has a rhythm. Our breathing has a rhythm. That drum set has a rhythm, right? Uh, 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 songs have a rhythm. When the trees blow, they have a rhythm. And yet we have to understand and make sure that, 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 that we understand that timing is everything. Because if we don't understand that timing is everything, I, I promise you it's all going to start making sense here shortly. You can't be fruitful out of season. I said, you can't be fruitful out of season. We have to know our season. 
We have to be able to recognize what season we are in. Let me say it another way. We, 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 can, be, we can be right about what we said, but, but wrong about when we said it and do more damage by saying it because it's out of timing. Oh, how many of you know? That there are sometimes we'll, uh, that's what I mean. I used to get myself in trouble because I would respond so quick. The first thing that popped in my mind, Terry, I would just, and by doing that, it was like a rocket went off, a bomb went off. And so I would level and destroy people or things or a situation. It was like pouring gasoline on a fire. And so it wasn't always what I said was wrong, but my timing was wrong. That's why I said you can be right about what you say, but wrong about when it is said and do more damage by saying it because it's out of timing. Let me, because right information delivered at the wrong time can tear a marriage apart. Did you hear what I said? Right information at the wrong time can tear a marriage up. Uh, some of us have gotten ourselves in trouble by saying something that is truthful, by saying something that is right, but you said it at the wrong time. In other words, some of you try to be, be all transparent and truthful in the heat of an argument. And some of you want to be so, you want to have the last word so bad, you'll just tell all the truth right up front. You haven't yet learned that timing is everything. Some people, when you already see someone having a bad day or you already see someone crying, you're just laying it on more. Well, I know this probably isn't a good time, but I'm going to just tell you this anyway. Your timing's terrible. Devil, get thee behind me, saints. And I, I swear church people are, are devils or are used of the devil sometimes because you, you have no clue of timing. You, you just hit, hit them when they're down, kick them when they're down. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I, we've had people in our family do that. Sometimes we'll have people who say they love us and they'll kick you as if you weren't struggling enough and then they come along. The devil is a liar. Listen to me. It may not be wrong what they said, but, but their timing is bad. Some of you just need to recognize that some people have no timing. That's why we'll, we'll be getting ready for church and somebody says something or does something loud or whatever, sort of out of order or, or whatever. Or some, I've had people that try to give a message in tongues. It was the wrong time. And I've had to go over and tap them on the shoulder right in the middle of me preaching. You're trying to raise up and give a message. Sit down. God is already speaking. God is not trying to double talk and speak. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so you'll go over and just I'll tap them on the shoulder and say, shut your mouth. This is not your time. This is my turn. Hallelujah. When, when, when I'm done, it can be your turn. But until I'm done, shh. Right? Because their time, it's not what they were saying was wrong. It was the wrong timing. Are you starting to get what I'm saying? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Some of you need to learn that you will have far less battles if you can learn to operate within the season you were in. You'll have far less battles with your spouse, in church, with friendships, on Facebook or Twitter or whatever gossip rag thing you like to be on. Hallelujah. Because if you'll recognize what season you are in, you'll be able to recognize what season others are in and know whether they have the ability to handle it. Oh, hallelujah. Don't come pouring your problem on me when you see me already struggling to keep my head above water. Timing is everything. Woo! 
Jesus. I'm helping somebody today, and we haven't even gotten to the best part yet. Hallelujah. It's going to be so good. By the time you get through next week, you're going to have grown and learned so much. It's going to be absolutely, positively life-changing, I promise you. Hallelujah. Because we're learning right information delivered at the wrong time. Listen to me. Right information delivered at the wrong time can make a child feel defeated. Some of us have struggled in this life because of what somebody said when we were young. If you, they constantly told you what you did was never good enough, if they were constantly critical of you, if they constantly beat you up and pushed you down and told you you were dumb, it hurt you. It hindered you. It wasn't that, yeah, the truth of the matter was, yeah, you were struggling in school. There was time, yeah, I had to repeat seventh grade twice. I was more girl crazy than I was anything. Oh, that's all I had. And I, I knew who my wife was going to be when I was in seventh grade, and I was willing to fail for it. And I did. My mom can tell you. When I saw her, I was like, oh, Jesus, thank you. All I could wait was from class to class to get to make out in the hallway. Hallelujah, right? <laughs> you say, preacher, be, hold back on this. I'll just tell you the truth. The truth of the matter was, is, yeah, I was being dumb. I was not applying myself. I wasn't studying. Instead of studying, I was on the phone. And when mom and dad wouldn't let me on the phone, I was up in my room writing a letter. When I wasn't writing a letter, I was doodling on a tablet. I love, I love. Come on, am I the only one? Cindy used to, Cindy used to decorate her stuff too. Amen. I mean, my, my, my notebooks looked like, you know, like a little schoolgirl, and I was the one being the schoolgirl. Writing letters and, and, and blue and red ink. Come on, somebody. Right, right. Hallelujah. And so I had teachers saying, Adam, you're not applying yourself. Adam, you're acting stupid. I had other people saying, you are dumb. I ain't dumb. I ran into one of my teachers the other day, Miss Deli, and she said, I am so proud of you. She said, I can't believe. She said, here you are. I never thought when you were in my class that, one, you would ever be able to learn French. But she said, to now to realize that here you are and you have a higher degree than I do. Right? She said, I never thought. She said, I am so proud. And she said, I get to see you in the paper and on the news all the time. It's so good to see that you turned yourself around. One of those that didn't think I had it in me, in other words, right? She never called me dumb because it wasn't in her to do that. But I, she believed Adam has a problem. But I had others in my life that said, you're just not smart. Right? And so when you have people like that, that's what I'm saying. Right information delivered at the wrong time can cause a child or a person to feel defeated. That's why for those of us that ever grew up like that or you had a spouse tell you something, it wasn't what they were saying wasn't true, but at the wrong time, it can be damaging. That's why some of us are struggling now in this life is because somebody told you something that, yes, part of it was true, but it was delivered at the wrong time. Oh, hallelujah. Some politicians are bad at that. Well, it's not what they're saying is wrong, but they delivered it at the wrong time. The reason some of them get themselves in trouble, I won't mention their names, but you'll know who they are. That the reason why some of them get themselves in trouble is it's not that what they're saying isn't true, but it's not the right time. We're too divided as it is. We're, we're segregated as it is. So just best be quiet. 
I won't say no more than that. Because you're doing more damage to our country than you are good by saying what we know to be true. But right now is not the right time. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Whew, thank you, Jesus. Right information at the wrong time, watch this, can stop you from having the peace you need to have. That's the reason some of us struggle to have peace because you're, 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 you're obtaining information and you're speaking information that's at the wrong time. And then you're praying, oh, Lord, let there be peace. No, God's saying just shut your mouth. Oh, hallelujah. You missed the season maybe, Lois, right? And so if we miss the season, we're just causing chaos. Anybody ever know somebody who just, just around them, they always got to have chaos? I, I just, mm, hallelujah, going to make me shanda bosata. There are people in my life that that's all they are. They're like a tornado, and they're not happy if there's not a tornado around them, and if there isn't one around them, they'll cause one. I mean, out of nowhere, they have to just cause a problem. Cause an issue, always be mad at someone, always fighting, always doing something. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And the reason they have no peace is because they cannot discern the season. Woo, Jesus, help us. You got to know what season you are in. You got to be able to know what season we are in as a nation. We got to be able to know what season we are in as a church. What season is your marriage in? But before you try to discern my season, for God's sake, discern what season you are in. We're constantly trying to observe and see what's wrong with everybody else. Deal with your season. If you are in the spring season, by all means, be blessed and grow. Hallelujah. But if you are like me and you are in a struggling season, by all means, try to be kind to be nice and taper your words accordingly. Jesus, hallelujah. I mean, I mean, I mean. Somebody uh, emailed me this week and said, we want you to come preach. We're excited to see all you're doing in, in your ministry, and we would like to have you come and teach us. You know what my word was? One answer, no. Because they are full of chaos and, and, and nastiness, and they don't represent the kingdom of God. I, was, I don't want nothing to do with what you're doing. I, I won't attach my name or Jesus Christ's name to what you think you're doing, and then you want me to teach you what we're doing. It ain't the right season for you. Hallelujah. Timing is everything. Whew. Timing is everything. See, see, this is what we do wrong. We often are worried about being right. But what you need to be worried about is timing. See, when you're fighting with people, all you're trying to do is prove you're right. And while you're working and yelling and screaming to prove you're right, you are doing what I said. You are doing more damage than you are good because you cannot discern the time. If you already know your spouse is struggling and dealing with something, you might not even know what it is. And if you don't know what it is, it might be a trust issue. And why they don't trust you, you best be dealing with that and discern the season you are in before you're trying to prove and beat them down by proving that you are right once again. If you want them to further not trust you, just keep on pounding them. Just go and beat them, and you're going to have just a shell of a human being who don't love you, who don't respect you, who you're never going to get enough from as somebody hearing what I'm trying to tell you today because you cannot discern time. 
Oh, gee, I'm preaching better than you're responding today. That's what's wrong with most of our relationships and our marriages and our churches is we're not discerning the time that we are in. We're more concerned about being right than we are the timing. I, I, I've had I, early on here at this church. I, it took me a while. Lois will know this because she's worked with us so long that I, I I had to constantly tell people just because I'm quiet doesn't mean I'm mad. Stop thinking everything's about you. If I get quiet, usually I've got a lot on my mind. If I'm not really saying much, some people say, "Oh, you know, preacher didn't even shake my hand." There's more going on than your problem. And so oftentimes I get quiet because I'm thinking, strategizing. Trying to figure it out. Me being quiet in the office doesn't mean I'm mad at nobody. If I'm mad at somebody, they know it. They heard the door slam. They heard me yelling, right, Lois? I don't yell. Rare. The point is, is we'll often get so focused and worried about being right that we can't discern the time discern how people are and how they're reacting and what they're going through. Take time to consider there's more going on in life than you. Woo! There you go. I didn't even preach that. Sister said, quit being self. Yeah, because when, listen to me, when you and I are insistent upon proving you are right, that's what you're being, selfish. Oh, ouch. I mean, ouch. Believe it or not, this is still the introduction to the message. That's why I said there'll be part two. And it's already firing you up. Don't get mad at the preacher. This is all what God has given me. Listen, when we are insistent on being proving that we are right, that is you being selfish because you are not discerning the season the other person is in. You know, sometimes I can't even have the ability to see or admit that you are right because of my season. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I believe part of what is wrong, the reason I almost ran for office this year. I mean, I was this close, and the only thing that really didn't, it was probably the voice of my mother saying, Adam. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I couldn't continue to do what I do here and really help our city. And I couldn't do both. And so I had to go back. But listen to me. The reason why I think we go so wrong politically and why our our country is such a wreck is because none of the politicians either side are discerning the season. They're not. They've missed it. They're so insistent on being right. And even if they're right, the season I'm in and what I'm paying for my groceries... I don't have the ability to see that you're right. Because, see, if you're in a winter season, it's hard to look forward to spring, right, April? If everything is dead around you and you've got no money and you don't know where, how you're going to feed your kids and you don't know how you're going to put gas in your car, don't tell me you're going to give me a stimulus in the spring. I need it now. So you barking from a, a podium trying to tell me your party is right I can't see that because my season doesn't look like yours. They're bringing in millions while they're in office, and I'm sitting here like, uh, God, I need to go go coin star machine and count in my change, come on, somebody, just to put gas in my car, and you're trying to tell me a stimulus might come in six months? That don't help me because I can't see what you see. 
That's what you need to consider when you're insistent on proving and, and, and beating a drum that you are right. They can't see what you see because they're not in the same season as you. How are you going to get in the same season as your, as your spouse taken by the hand? Praying with them, talking with them. The whole reason they're in a season that you're not in anyway is because there's been a divide among you too long. You should be in the same season. To, oh, now I'm getting somewhere. You should be enduring the same season together. Just like the body of Christ, we are in a season. This is a, a harvest season, literally, that we are in as a church. God wants to bring you into a harvest season, but why is it you are not gathering? Instead, you are losing. Maybe because you're a lone ranger. Trying to do it on your own. Oh, God help us. He, he given me a good word for you today. Because timing is everything. Listen, whether you buy a house or you buy a car. Somebody told me the other day, I think I'm going to buy. Even, even my dealership called me, wanted me to sell them my car. They were going to give me a premium price. It was great. He said, like, we want to upgrade you into this SUV. I returned the call just to nicely say, No. And he said, oh, but he said, you're going to get a Ford whatever cash back. I said, first of all, I'm so displeased with you all. I don't want no Ford money. That's where you were supposed to say, amen, David, Ford, you know. No, they've been good to me. Listen, the point is, is he said, but, but he said, I can get you all this Ford money, and we're going to give you all this out of your car, way more than, it, than, than it's worth. And I said, yeah, but it's not the right time. Ain't the right time. Interest rates are high. Hallelujah. Somebody asked me the other day, Pastor, don't you think it's a good time to buy a house? I said, no. 9% rate? Are you crazy? Are you out your mind? It's not the right time. So whether you buy a house, whether you buy a car, whether you start a career, if it's, if it's not the right time, it doesn't work out how you thought. That's why if you ever get in a hurry to make a decision like that, you always end up regretting it sooner than later. If you've ever been pressured to buy a car and you weren't comfortable about it, but you were pressured, that's why you ended up with a payment you could barely make. It was not the right time. Hallelujah. Timing is everything. Let me give you an example. Kentucky Fried Chicken, now known as KFC. Hallelujah. Some good chicken. Huh. Something I found was some better chicken, though. Huh. Was Rooster's Roost. My God, they're chicken. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for chicken. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. Well, we had it here at the church that pastors appreciate. It was fantastic. But KFC, to give you an example. <laughs> yes. Yes, they are, sister. Listen, KFC came about at a time that if KFC was a new franchise today, it would go bankrupt. Let me explain why. KFC was, was, the wrong word is invented, founded during a time when families still sat down for dinner. And at the time that they were sitting down for dinner, that was the same time in our country, in America, where women were just starting to leave the house and go to work. So KFC capitalized on that moment and said, hmm, how can we aid the family, supplement women are going out to work and don't have the time to put into everything to cook a good meal? And so KFC became a, a national brand because they understood 
Timing was everything. And so they ended up becoming a franchise that, that blew up across their country in a time that women were going out to work. They could not just stay home anymore and take care of the family. And so the, the women who were no longer had the time to put into cooking like they would because they'd spend hours getting that chicken ready. And KFC knew it. They said, so we'll, we'll prepare the sides. We'll prepare the dessert. We'll prepare the meat. We'll have it already. They can come. They can pick it up. They can go home. The, the wife can go to work. She can come home with the chicken. Hallelujah. Put it down on the table. It'll still be as good. Are you following me? As if she had been in the kitchen all day. And they had a great success because timing was everything. If someone tried to do that same kind of model today, it would fail. Because today we want things like Chipotle and Subway and Chick-fil-A. Okay, come on. Have it your way right away. The Burger King, I mean right now. And we don't sit down together no more. Our, our tables are covered in, well, never mind. Because we'll just sit in front of the boob tube. And so it alleviates the opportunity for me to share my season. To let the spouse know where you are and how your day was and what went wrong and what kind of season you might be in at work. Are you hearing me? And so then I lack the empathy when we get into an argument that now I just have to prove that I'm right. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. But if KFC knew that timing was everything, you and I have to realize if it wouldn't work today, but it worked then, you and I have to realize that doing the right thing at the right time is important. See, it wasn't just that the chicken was good. The need for it was great. It solved a problem, and it came at the right time. If they opened up today, they would go bankrupt. They sustain at the level they, they are at, but they could never start at this level. All right, because today if you open a business, now you've got to be gluten-free, vegan, right? I mean, now if you roll up to KFC, you got people, you have a vegan option. Hallelujah. I ain't making fun of the vegans, but it does get frustrated. I eat a lot of vegan stuff myself, but it does get frustrating. Or you hear them, They couldn't sustain. They could never launch today. Like new restaurants have to launch and have vegan options and gluten-free and dairy-free stuff, amen? But at, a, at that time, those things weren't important. But now if you're going to open a business, you have to know what time it is. You've got to know what's important. If you're going to open a restaurant or a food truck, you've got to be able to cater to those that have those kinds of needs. Otherwise, you won't be in business long. Hallelujah. I got my Apple Watch and my Apple phone and my iPad up here, and all of them tell me what time it is. When the clocks turned 2 a.m. this morning, they backed up an hour all by themselves. I didn't have to do nothing, right? So I have all this technology in the world to tell me what time of the day it is. But, but, but do you know what time it is in your life? Do you know what time it is in your spirituality? He is trying to teach you and I that it's time that we put away childish things. The Bible says that you shall bring forth fruit in your season. But you have to know when it is your season and when that season is over. You have to know when to hold it and you have to know when to fold it. And you have to learn not to see folding as a failure. It's all about timing. See, I've preached this text many times. We just were dealing with it last week. 
All right. This text that we looked at begins, the kingdom of heaven is likened. It says the kingdom of heaven is like. Last week I focused on that the king, this is a metaphor he's giving us. He doesn't say what the kingdom is. He says what it is like. Watch this. He's saying, Jesus is saying, telling us this way so that we can understand the truth that is hidden in the fabric of the story. So in other words, he's saying that the revelation of what I'm trying to tell you, it's hidden in this parable. It's locked away and you have to be able to think to understand it. All right. The way I often preach to you requires you to think. I don't like to preach in a manner that makes it easy. I like to preach in a way that causes you to really think and ponder. Last week as I was preaching, I saw so many people like intently listen. My mom was one of them. She was like, and then as I kept going, the light bulbs started going off and people going, ah, ah, I get it. I get it. I like to preach that way in a way that makes you think. All right. Because when God says the kingdom of heaven is likened, Listen, he's not using a metaphor to hide anything from you because God is not one that's hiding anything. Jesus came because Jesus was God revealed. So when people have this idea, this theology that sort of God is hiding things, no, he's not. He, he, he came in the form of man, Jesus Christ, to be the revealer. God is not playing hide and seek with you and I. But when it comes to hiding things, we as a people, there's, no, there's not one person in this room that's probably not hiding something because that's the way we are as people. But God has nothing to hide. So when he says, I'm going to lay this foundation for you today before we wrap up, God is saying God has nothing to hide. So when he says the kingdom of heaven is like, we must not think that God's hiding any truth from us. Don't think that. What he's doing is being a teacher, explaining the unexplainable to sort of a far less intelligent audience. So he says the kingdom of heaven is like, he's trying to help you and I to understand what the kingdom is like on our level. It's the same way that a first grade or second grade teacher has to communicate to their class. They can have a discussion with an adult in a manner that makes sense. But in order to, to teach a child how to learn, you have to teach on their level. So God is saying, I am so intelligent. And what I have put in place is so high and so above your ability to think and comprehend. I have to give you an analogy of what it's like. So the kingdom of heaven is, is, is like. In other words, this is God stooping down to earth. Because his word says, as high as the heavens are from the earth, so are my thoughts are above your thoughts and my ways above your ways. In other words, if I spoke on my level, you would never understand, Adam. I'm that big. I'm that great. I'm that intelligent. So God, through his word, here specifically in this text, speaks with metaphors and comparisons. So we can learn what the kingdom of heaven is like. So he's breaking it down so we can understand. Thank you, Jesus, for breaking it down. So he's teaching us by breaking this down that timing is everything. Thank you, Jesus. 
text says, I'm going to give you the first point. Because there's a total of five, so I'll do the next four next week. See? Because i got to at least give you one nugget of the text. The text says that certain man had his servant sow good seed in the field. While they slept, the enemy comes in and plants seed or, or, or plants weeds or tear while they slept. They don't wake up the next morning and realize the enemy had been there. Watch this. The enemy had planted it in such a way that when they woke up in the morning, they don't notice any change immediately. Notice, according to the text, the next day they don't realize anything. While they did not notice it, the evil or the weeds were already sown in the midst of the wheat. See, sometimes you and I get hit out of nowhere from the enemy because you never noticed he was there in the first place. Have you ever had, a couple weeks ago, Lois, when we had those people rise up against us and I had some goofball doing Facebook live videos and talking about our church and our properties and me and calling me up my name and said, Well, it was shocking. The enemy had planted those seeds before that ever happened. The enemy planted those seeds the night that same guy sat here in one of our coalition meetings and wanted to be a bigwig, but because I never knew who he was, didn't care to know who he was, and now glad I don't know who he is, did it to try to make a name for himself because everybody knows who I am and who our church is. Oh, hallelujah. Now watch this. Everything enemy wanted to respond when I got caught off guard that the enemy had done something. But if I had responded in that moment, I would destroy ultimately my destiny instead of realizing that what the text says that we have to do is let the tear and the wheat grow together. Just, just ignore it. The mistake that you and I often make is that you try to deal with your enemy the moment you first recognize them. That was the old me. I'd fire you up. The first point that I want to point out to you that I'll give you today so we can go home is number one. It is naive to think that the planning of good exempts us from the presence of bad. This message is going to be so good for you. I can't even wait till next Sunday. I, I am like splitting from the inside out. It is so good. Number one, let me say it again. It is naive to think that the planting of goods exempts us from the presence of bad. In other words, just because God allows wheat to be planted doesn't mean weeds are restricted. Just because God allows wheat to be planted, just because God has planted you here in this church does not mean bad is not going to happen. Just because you get saved and turn your life into Jesus does not mean bad is not going to happen. Just because you do good, my, every day of my life is doing good and hell still seems to hit me in the face. 
I had a pastor friend text the other day. He said, when are you just going to take a day off? He said, you are down sick again. He said, here you are sick again because you never take care of you. When did you last just get in the car and go and make a day for yourself? When did you last go buy yourself something? When did you last? And I thought, you know, he's kind of right. But it was hitting me in the wrong season, so I sort of got an attitude with him. Because we get naive in thinking that just because planted good, it exempts us from the presence of bad. In other words, let me lay this out for you and I'll build the rest next week. The kingdom is like this. Weeds and wheat. God's saying there are people, yeah, even among kingdom people, who are going to be like weeds. They're going to suck some life out of you. They're going to be leeches at times. He says, the kingdom is like this. He said, so what I need you to do, he said, so we have to be able to produce in the presence of weeds. In other words, you and I have to still learn to live life at its best, even in the midst of of difficult people even in the midst of trouble even in the midst of attack notice something that the man said do you, when they said do you want us to go pull the weed he said no in other words those of you that always have to say something to people who rise against you do nothing I started getting and dealing with that last week do nothing don't defend yourself don't make a post don't do a Facebook live don't call them don't text them nothing i had a guy that claims to be a a, a, a a journalist he ain't a journalist he don't even possess a degree i don't even think he has a degree of any kind but he does this stuff <clears throat> back when we did the candidate forum and we ended up hosting it here at the church it was another time people were coming on accusation and tried to say because we were hosting it, we were in violation of IRS code 501c3. And I said, you're just dumb. You're uninformed. It's, it's not that at all. We can, as long as our church doesn't take a specific position or give money to a specific candidate. But anyway, because I already had checked with our lawyer. Lawyer was like, hey, you're good. They put me on blast. It was another time. It said we were in violation. They reported us to the IRS and said we were, they were trying to take our tax exam. Everything which would mean anybody who would give wouldn't get tax credit. And I just did, I, I so bad wanted to fight because I, I said, here I am just trying to do right by our city. I want to make sure that the right people get in position and I, 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 I want to link arms with people who have been divided with and I want to reach across party lines and work with, I, I said, here I am just trying to do good and you get attacked for it. And I so bad wanted to say something and defend myself and, and say what the lawyer said, basically. Got a letter from the lawyer. We even called the lawyer, Lois and the staff. And I said, I need a statement. I need a letter. We're going to put it out. I'm going to make them look dumb. Got the letter. The Lord said, be still. And know that I am God. I said, but God, 
they're, they're attacking the name of our church. They're, they're making it seem like we're doing something that's wrong and then fraudulent. And, and then they're doing Facebook Live videos. And, and what, what, what if this so-called journalist, what if they pick this up and someone really runs with it? I mean, we still know that I'm God. In other words, God's saying, let me fight your battles. Why do you always think you have to defend you? Listen, listen to me. What God started to show me, where we're going to start building off of is when you feel the need to defend yourself, you're in essence saying God is not big enough to do it. When they attack you at work, say nothing. When your family rises against you, respond with nothing. Because he is big enough to defend you himself. And if you speak up on your behalf, you're just pouring gasoline on what's already bad. Discern the season. Are you hearing what I'm trying to tell you? Amen. Don't forget that. Don't forget number one, because we're going to build right next, next week with number two. It is naive to think that planting of good exempts us from the presence of bad. That's why don't be surprised when bad things happen after something good. When you leave an anointed service and the devil shows up, that's why. It's the enemy saying, oh, look, I, I, I'm tear. I'm here. But if you remember last week, you're still wheat. Whether he's here, whether he's not, no matter what he's doing, you're still wheat. Hallelujah. If you have the ability, stand to your feet. For everybody that's not here, that's watching online, I'm so glad you've caught up. If people that weren't here and missed this, make sure they watch it. Listen to the podcast when it comes out this week so they can be caught up and ready to go because I'm telling you, part two of this, it's going to help you so much. It is going to grow you so much. It is going to bless you so much. So when we were in the back praying this morning, I just sensed the glory of God. We were praying and I could just sense it, feel that little soon to be the children's ministry area. I just felt it fill that room. As we close today, and I'm just going to close in a simple prayer, but as we close today, I sensed at that moment that God wanted to heal some of you of just what I'm talking about. The scars and the wounds of what people have done to you that could not discern the season. Some of us react so quickly when, when we're under pressure and in pain because of what people did to you. Let God heal it right now. For you to get the full benefit out of what I'm going to preach to you next week, you need to let God heal you. In other words, say, I, I, I'm going to, God, help me, heal me right now that I'm not going to be so touchy, that I'm not going to get offended so easily, that I'm gonna, not going to let what people say or do hurt me. He's going to heal you if you'll let him. He's going he's gonna to heal you if you let him. That's what this word's going to do. Timing is everything. What God wants to do in this church, what God wants to do in your life, he, he wants you to be able to understand time in the fullness of this message. So Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray over these people. God, I pray over the people that are home right now that Lord, you would just begin to touch and heal and move. God, as we sense your presence in this room, 
literally, God, I sense your glory. The weighty glory of your presence reaching down and touching people that will no longer be affected by what happened in the past. And they're no longer, God, going to by naive and thinking that the presence of good means there will be no bad. But, but God, when the enemy rises up, when bad things happen, they're just going to look over and be like, oh, hey, I should have known terror was going to come. I should have known terror was going to rise up. That, Lord, we're not going to defend ourselves. We're not going to speak up. God, we're not going to get in shouting battles. We're not going to have to prove that we are right. Heal us. Heal me, Lord. Heal us inside today, God. That, Lord, you would prepare us and help us, God, for steps two, three, four, and five of this text. Heal us so that, Father, this church can step into its real destiny. God, you showed me. You showed me prophetic about things about this church, prophetic things about the lives of the people in this room today, that, God, as I deliver it to them next week, God, I pray that they'll be healed enough and, and, and whole enough, God, to be able to handle the truth as I reveal it to them about the root systems in their life. So, Father, release your healing over their life, over their mind, over their soul, over their spirit. In the name of Jesus. Now, Father, I pray this week as we go before that, Lord, you will continue to heal those that are sick. Touch them. Restore them. Make them whole in the name of Jesus. Give us strength and wisdom to get through the week. Help us. Send Volunteers, God, send help that we need in the name of Jesus. Supernatural strength and help. God, as we leave this place and as people give online, bless their offering, bless their tithe. May it bring increase into their life. Bless them. Multiply. In the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we give you glory and honor and praise right now. In your powerful name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, folks. Have a beautiful week in Jesus.